Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast, episode number seven. Today's beacon is Irina Stranina. She has an intriguing and amazing story you will not want to miss. From being raised in the Soviet Union to coming to the U.S. and all the life's events that happened afterwards, she truly is a shining light. And I especially want to give a shout out also to people who have rated and reviewed the show. This week's reviews come from Denanita, TD Connor One, and Three Bees in a Pod. It means the world to me that you took the time to review it. It does so much to get this message of hope and encouragement out to everyone else. So I cannot thank you enough. And now I hope that you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Norman, former perfectionist, people pleaser, and rule follower who woke up one day and realized I'd been living somebody else's dream because of my fear of stepping outside the lines. That's why I started this podcast, to interview authors, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who learn to overcome their fears and obstacles in order to live the life of their dreams to shine the light on how we can live the life of our dreams. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast, Irina Stranina. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, I got a clap. Good. <laughs> Pronounce it yourself for the Irina audience. Strunina. So um, where are you calling in from in the world right now? I am, for the last 25 years, I'm living in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, I can tell by the accent, that's exactly where you're from. <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> I'm sure we'll uh, delve back into uh, how you got to Atlanta, Georgia from where you're probably from. But I'd like to start with a first question, kind of as an icebreaker. And that is, where are you in the birth order of your siblings, or are you an only child? And then what effect do you think that has had on your life? I am the older sister of two. Mm -hmm. I have a younger sister. She's three years younger than I am. And I actually, this is a good question. It's interesting that you're asking me that because just recently like in the last several months I realized that that was a big effect on me because three years difference and uh, uh, was affected by this order that people started paying more attention to my younger sister and you know she was cuter she was puffier she was you know all all little things and here i am you know skinny little sick child <laughs> staying next to next to cute little baby and even my cousins told back then like you all are talking about this cute little baby but what about her she's only 3 years old but i think from there i learned in my child understanding that I need to be kind, I need to take care of my baby, and then people will notice that I am a good girl. I think this is how it came, but I didn't think about it until, as I said, just recently. So I'm a caregiver. Okay, and possibly a people pleaser, 
to get attention? Um, maybe, um, maybe yes, maybe not. Okay. But definitely uh, learned that I need to take care of my younger sister. So I will get all the praises that I took a good care of her. That's great. So tell us what you are doing right now. Like if somebody asks you what you do for a living or whatever, what would you tell them? I'm health strategist. I'm helping people who were recently diagnosed with diabetes to find grounds, get unstuck and start moving towards their healthier life. Diabetes is not a sentence. It's a lifestyle change. And I'm helping them to make this change. That's great. And I'm sure there's a story behind why you chose diabetes as your platform. And we'll get to that. But we're going to go back to little Irina. <laughs> I'm trying to say it the best I can. <laughs> Good. Uh, where, where were you born? Where did you come from? And kind of let's lead up to what brought you where you are today. All right. Um, I was born in St. Petersburg, Russia. Russia. Yes. And I think this is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And I was fortunate enough to being born and, and raised there and, and see all the beauty and uh, enjoy all the history and art that is available over there. People call St. Petersburg, it's a museum under the sky. Wow. So this is where I was born and raised. Um, I wasn't a very healthy child. It just happened that I was catching yearly pneumonia and I was being sick very often and my stomach wasn't very healthy. So there were a lot of little or big issues with my health. And my parents constantly were trying to see how they can help. So mm -hmm. we were trying different alternative methods like different mineral waters and you know different this kind of application although there were uh, recommended by doctors it wasn't a voodoo medicine <laughs> and uh, but also just the basic thing eat right move more be outside more often breathe the fresh air this kind of things and um, eventually i ended up becoming a cross-country skier and for 11 years, I was a cross-country skier and made it to the, it's pretty high rank to become a master of sport uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in Russia. And uh, so I made that. Um, I was training with the team that was Olympic reserve team. And mm -hmm. um, that's, that's what I was doing. Again, while you're training, you really watching a lot of science about your health, keeping yourself mm -hmm. healthy so you could continue competing. You learn about how your muscles work, how your body works, what food works best, what food doesn't work. And all this was something that was interesting. Um, I graduated from the Trade Academy and worked for some time in the Department of um, Food Distribution in the area. And then um, I also worked after that as a director of a medical scientific research center mm. for a few years. And then I met with my husband. Well, I met with one guy <laughs> <laughs> in, a, 
in on a ballet performance, you know, everything sounded pretty romantic. You know, you go to Swan Lake to see, you know, to the ballet theater and watch the Swan Lake. And here's this guy who actually uh, started the conversation and asked for the phone number. But then we learn that he's an American and he's flying away that night. So sure, have my phone number. So you and were in the audience with him. He wasn't a performer up there, no, right? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. We were just in the same booth. This happened to be the booth filled up with visitors uh -huh. in the city, in the country. And uh, so. So he was an American and he was about to leave. So what did he Yeah, do? this was his last night in, in, in Russia. He was visiting with the tour group. And um, so he was just a tourist watching that. And uh, but then he called when he he lived in Atlanta. So he called from Atlanta when he arrived and I was like, wow, that's interesting. Never, <laughs> never that happened before that somebody takes my number and calls me back oh. more than that calling back from the United States. Wow. So, and uh, so for a couple of years we were dating. I, it wasn't easy to get my visa because that was the time right after the uh, break of the Berlin war. Yeah. So like late 80s, early 90s, something like early that? Early 90s, yes. And uh, so we were dating internationally, you know, Finland, oh. Czech Republic. <laughs> <laughs> so different countries and phone calls. And then eventually I got my visa, moved to the America and uh, um, on a business visa. And I was, was working as a office manager for him since he was an entrepreneur and uh, had his own company and um, and eventually I become his wife and we mm -hmm. had family and uh, we have two kids. They're grown now, 18 and 21. Okay. And, um, but the, the thing is that he, that's how I happened to be in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> That's Perfect. the answer to your question. I love a long distance romance and then to end up together. That's great. So keep going. So you got married. You had a couple kids. What happened after that? Well, that all happened right around 9-11. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the economy crash and all these uh, stories happened. Um, my husband was in a telecom industry and he was international lecturer, consultant and mm -hmm. traveling with big companies and uh, consulting and teaching them the telecom. Um, he security. was a big wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he uh, felt it, all this economic crash on his, on his shoulders, on his business firsthand because mm -hmm. like in two weeks you lose all your customers and uh, if before you have like three years ahead your schedule and suddenly you have nothing at all yeah and that was a lot of stress over there kind of like what's been going on with covid this past year a lot of people losing their businesses and all of that so yeah, yeah that was a trying time so then what happened after that well, and then um, what happened after that, during that time, okay. 
just right after our second daughter was born. Um, he didn't have a lot of, I mean, he didn't have any customers, didn't have any orders. We're talking about all big names like AT&T, Cisco, you know, this kind of mm-hmm. companies and they all suddenly uh, fell into survival mode and they don't hire or engage with anybody outside. They uh, shorten their stuff. So anyways, he got a request from Cisco for the consulting engagement. And um, right before he had to fly out from Atlanta to California, he got sick. He got sick, he he was running very high fever, Mm -hmm. but he was determined to go there anyways. So he went and I wasn't sure if he will be back because he was that sick. Oh, wow. And uh, he didn't make it to the uh, site. He didn't make it to the customer because he got really, really, really sick. And eventually the hotel people called 911 and um, he was admitted to the hospital and uh, spent in ICU, in ICU for 17 days. Wow. Was, uh, yeah, that was a bad visit with the with the doctors and he came out of there with the diagnosis diabetes staph infection um, kidney infection and pneumonia so with all that he was he came back totally different person yeah so well, he it was a half of the person he left in one size and came back in half of wow. the number he had well, and I guess that's the diabetes connection that you, you started with. Exactly. So we had to learn a lot of, a lot of information about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was in 2003. Mm-hmm. Internet wasn't as strong and as uh, informative back then. We, we already were using it, keeping in mind he was a telecom uh, right. <laughs> person. So we were using it, but wasn't that mm-hmm. big uh, book yet right. and so we had to learn a lot plus I had two babies one is not year old and another one is not three years old yet so this was kind of a challenge to handle all this and how, uh, how old was he at the time oh 44 okay yeah so and the the problem was that we knew that something is wrong, that he was going that direction. But uh, as many men think, he thought that he is indestructible, that he will overcome everything. He will just meditate and everything will happen for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't. So when once he came back, that's when we started thinking more about what to what he's supposed to be eating and uh, putting more effort into exercises, finding time to exercise and, and fit it in the schedule and all this. So um, changes were made and he really, I wouldn't say recovered, but got much better. Mm-hmm. And luckily we still had insurance back then. So those 17 days in ICU didn't cost us much. Oh. Good. Because the, when the bill arrived, it would be it would be the end of everything if <laughs> if we had to pay that. Probably bill. millions. 
that was that was just I don't remember, but that was more than we could ever think about. Yeah. So um, for 12 years, we were holding on, uh, you know, managing diabetes more or less, mm -hmm. but um, like in terms of managing, but we really in when the crisis in 2008 Mm -hmm. hit, we had to uh, cancel our medical insurance. So he didn't have medical insurance and that was a mm -hmm. challenge. So every, we still could do that uh, visit to the doctor. It would be costly, but we still could pay for it, but it's not every month to pay mm -hmm. because it was a big bill. When you are diabetic, you, you have mm -hmm. a baggage with you to, yeah. to pay. There's a lot of maintenance that goes into that diagnosis. Was yes. he still in the same field of work? Telecom? He had to adjust because telecom become uh, different, but he luckily about six years prior to 9-11, he wrote a book on security and in network security, internet security. So he basically uh, was on the road uh, right away in uh, after 9-11 couple months later he was already teaching people about different things wow. and uh, so he literally wrote a book on it he literally wrote a book oh, about it that's that's cool yeah he he actually he as i said he was a, a big shot he had several <laughs> books he had he had hundreds of articles published in different magazines and uh it just uh Unfortunately, as we know, it doesn't matter how big you are, how strong you are, uh, your body will give up if you don't take care of it. Mm -hmm. So sorry to interrupt you there, but um, let's go on in the story. So um, let's pick up where you left off with him. Well, okay. So we, what happened that in 2013, he caught the flu, just regular seasonal flu that he didn't handle as a person with diabetes, didn't handle well at all. It mm -hmm. affected his, he had complications with his kidneys, with his liver, with his couple other organs. And, um, and from there, it was like a snow, snow avalanche. And uh, in 18 months, um, his kidneys shut and he passed away. So um, I was there with two teenagers who were supposed to somehow process the loss and they didn't handle it too good. So mm -hmm. I was very busy on like, making sure that they're alive. Right. They don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and, uh, but, and, and so in about three years after, after his passing, I met uh, people who started, when I told them my story, they said, look, you got to be out there and talking mm -hmm. to the, you know, maximum of your lung capacity to, to bring <laughs> the awareness to people because how many people out there, businessmen, businesswomen who really believe that they could overcome everything, nothing will happen to them. And then they start crushing. And you know uh, how many business people, businessmen, really dying from heart attacks and different, situ you know, having very hard diseases at very young age now because they overwork themselves. They don't 
do anything for their bodies. They just rely on memory that when they were young, they were strong. Yeah. And it's not working. Uh, the, yeah. You got to pay the toll eventually. And the other thing is, I feel like a lot of times diabetes as a diagnosis is a little overlooked. Like a lot of people have it. It's just kind of another thing on your list. You have asthma, you have diabetes, whatever, but it affects, like you said, so many organs that, I mean, just as we've seen with COVID again, if you have that diagnosis and problem, you're a lot more successful accessible <laughs> to many diseases. So, I mean, I think it's great. You're getting that word out there about this problem. Yeah. From the top so, of your lungs, like you said. <laughs> well, you see, I started, I actually uh, entered the speaker program and uh, I was training as a speaker to speak oh. about it. And then COVID started. Oh, and I, here I am with all my plans to be, to speak on different events and making plans. So I had to do something. And uh, on that speaker program, we had, you know, there's a mantra. If you cannot find a stage for yourself, create the stage. Yeah. So I started, first of all, I'm going every morning. I'm going outside. I'm going for a walk. But before I go for a walk, I have my Facebook live where I talk to people basically, hey, you do, you have to do something for five minutes. It's, yeah. it's a short little life uh, where I am hoping that I'm inspiring at least some people to start doing something for themselves. Well, that's and, great because a lot of people are scared to death to do Facebook Live anyway, because you can't edit. <laughs> it's yeah. just there. So I'm sure it's very helpful for everyone. I, I hope I hope some people get some inspiration. At least they know what the weather is in Atlanta because every day <laughs> I tell them what, what is it, hot or cold, windy or rainy, you know? Well, and at the end, we'll, I'll ask you where people can find you so they can follow you on Facebook and get these inspira inspirational messages. Definitely. The theme of the show, as you probably know, is over being brave, which to me means feeling your fear and doing it anyway. Let's, can you think of a time? I mean, you have plenty of opportunity, but a, a major time that stands out to you where you had to overcome your fear or a huge obstacle in order to just keep going on to live the life that you wanted to life live any of that. You're right. There are several. <laughs> and, uh, one of the things, you know, I already spoke about the fact that I moved from Russia to here. Mm -hmm. That was quite a bit of a, of a change because mm -hmm. all my family, everybody left there. And I was coming to over here, knowing the guy from the perform ballet performance. Your parents probably love that. What? I said your parents probably love that. Well, he actually, he was friends with my family, with yeah. my parents. They, he was coming to visit. And uh, as I said, we were dating internationally where mm -hmm. I don't need a visa. Mm -hmm. So uh, for that matter, my parents were actually very happy that I met a guy who I can rely on because mm -hmm. he did show 
that he is a, a real person, caring person, mm -hmm. smart person, and all this. Um, but to me, it was a big decision. Yeah. Because all my life, all my friends, all my relatives, everything, and I told in the beginning, I was fortunate to be born in the in that museum under the sky, and I will have to leave it to go and, and live somewhere in Atlanta. I have no idea how people will take, will you know, will, yeah. will feel about me, how I will feel. And I don't speak that much English. I mean, I was learning, taking lessons of English at school, mm -hmm. in college, in, you know, afterwards, forward, just to make sure that my brain is working. So I was taking English lessons just in case, mm -hmm. without any plans to move to anywhere, because I was happy where I was. Mm -hmm. So to make that move, that was one fear that I had to overcome. And how but did then, you, how did you do it? How did you overcome that fear? That was a time of big changes in Russia and the life in Russia was not going to stay the same how, how I knew it when I was mm -hmm. younger. So, and it was very uncertain time. And, um, so I had to make a change anyhow, somewhere, somehow. So that was sort of an opportunity. It's a long shot. I mean, 5,000 miles shot. <laughs> and I would imagine the two places couldn't be more different. Weather. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's, so. it's, it's very different. And um, the, the only thing that helped was... First of all, we totally agreed that it's not the one-way ticket. Mm. I had always return ticket. If something is not working, I could come back. That's a lesson for life, I think. <laughs> uh, and since then, a lot of my relatives actually came over here to visit. Oh. And, and, you know, when I was leaving... Um, my friends, they were crying, like they were burying me. Mm -hmm. That was the feeling they like, what are you crying about? Oh, I have no idea when I'll see you next time. And next time I was next year and like, oh, but they still would tear up. But then when I showed up the next year, it's like, and I'm leaving and I, where are your tears? Like, oh, well, you will come next year anyway. So uh, why, sh why should I waste my tears right here? So that was, that was a good thing. But later on, uh, the next fear that I actually had to fight, it was the decision that I will go and will start helping people. Mm -hmm. After because, your husband passed away? Yes, because for, as I said, for three years, I was just trying to find myself and understand what I am, who I am, why I am, uh, what can I do with my daughters, how can I help them, how I can be for them the mm -hmm. person they, they expect me to be, because when I was really the last two years taking care of my husband, I was paying less attention to my children, so they were upset with that, yeah. too, so, but then when I had this this was a humongous decision for me to mm -hmm. 
to decide that, okay, I'll do that. Because mm -hmm. those times, oh, I've been a cooking coach. <laughs> a cooking been, coach? Yes. Wow. I, I was, um, right, a couple months before his passing, I started working with the company as a cooking coach. And we, it's, a, it's a cookware company, but what we do, we teach people how to cook in a healthy way. Oh, that's neat. So I was doing that, but it was not my business. I was helping people to learn. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, if, if somebody will decide to uh, invest in, in cookware, they will, uh, this will be some sort of a compensation for me. Mm -hmm. I was working in the office as an office manager. So I was doing, I was serving others. Yeah. Uh, but here uh, to make a decision that now I will be working for myself, mm -hmm. That was a that was a a big big decision for me. Not knowing where your paycheck, that steady every two week two week paycheck would come from, right? Exactly, and mm -hmm. and plus, you know, I'm from the country where people, when I was there, my parent when my parents were there, it was this kind of activity were almost illegal. Mm borderline illegal mm -hmm. so you got to be working on some plants and some organization build be total legal work only one job two jobs <laughs> were not exactly legal wow that's interesting so and and you could not not work if you don't work it's illegal too so everybody's supposed to work everybody's supposed to work their one job you could you know change jobs but you couldn't overlap those jobs wow so that was the the mentality where i was raised and to to overcome this even though i was fortunate my husband was entrepreneur he was uh self-employed he was working for himself and all these years i was watching how it is i was learning what it is to be the solopreneur what it is to be the uh businessman in America. So I had much better idea than any of my relatives, mm -hmm. any of, for that matter, my Russian friends. Right. So to, and it, they had a big influence on me and to overcome this discrepancy between what I was raised and, and lived with mm -hmm. and where I see myself now uh, and start doing it. Mm -hmm. I, I do remember that was kind of like a shaking, ground shaking moment when I decided that I'm going to do that. And I'll ask you the same question. How did you get through that? How did you actually put one foot in front of the other and make a change? Luckily, I did not make it by myself. I made it with the help and support of people who realized that I can do more good than just taking care of my kids. Mm -hmm. And taking care of my kids lasts that far. I needed to, to become much more self-sufficient so I could support them if they need it rather than um, just help them to, to survive. Mm -hmm. so, so the support of a community always helps. Yeah. 
like-minded people who maybe are entrepreneurial and see things the same way, not the way kind of you were raised and your family and friends back in Russia thought. And frankly, a lot of people still here in the U.S. So, I mean, that community must be great. And actually, I forgot to mention how you and I actually met because how in the world do I know somebody from Russia who lives in Atlanta? (laughs) And it's again through the serving circle group that Tyson Sharp runs. And we, we meet each, we meet people from all over the world and I'm so thankful for that. But yeah, that's how we met because people are probably thinking, how in the world did you meet her? (laughs) Yes. And that's a community that we have that we all do this together. So Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually, the, I was talking, I was referring to the community. I, was, I started this uh, speakers program and this group of people who also were trying to make a change to serve others, to, mm-hmm. to make a difference in others' lives, to, you know, to, to, to lead them to better um, future. Do so, you want to mention the name of that group? Uh, well, that group was Power Team International. Power Team International? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, I met with uh, several other groups. So I kind of like was merging from one group to another, mm-hmm. meeting more people who would support me mm-hmm. and help me out with just, you know, sometimes all you need just to speak to verify that you are doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are several people who become really good friends with me uh, from that time. And we never met before, but um, started doing this program. Now everybody is doing their own, uh, I don't know, business, uh, their own programs, what they decided to do and they doing it and they're successful at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and when I see them, I, it, it helps to, yeah. to like, yeah, I can do that too. They can do it. I can do that too. And that's the whole point of this show, the theme of a beacon showing others the way mm-hmm. you find somebody who's doing what you want to do. And then you follow the path that they have might okay. not be exactly the same path, but they've kind of already trod down that path. So it leads the way. So it looks like you have some exciting things in your future and hopefully once like COVID goes away ish and we can be out and around and have live events and stuff. What dreams, main dreams do you still have? That's the first question. And secondly, what fears might you might still linger that might be holding you back from those dreams? You know, talking about dreams, is something very new to me. Really? How much time do I have? (laughs) (laughs) Because as I mentioned a little bit about the way how we lived in Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. there was a thing. You are born and here is the whole plan ahead of you. You go to childcare, kindergarten, to school, you graduate from school, you have several paths. Boys, if they do not enter the college, the institute, the academy, some university, they go to the army. Mm-hmm. The girls don't go to the army. 
women were not in the army at all in Russia. Okay. Uh, but we had several options. After the middle school, you could go with the technical school or continue to the high school. After high school, you could go to, um, it's also like technical school, but a little bit higher level, mm -hmm. um, like to get the associate degree. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, or you could go to university. And after you graduate from whatever place you graduate, depending on the major that you get there, almost any adult could say on average, what is your salary? Because it was kind of like a table. If you graduate from school, from the technical school, your salary is that. If you graduate from the, with the academy, uh, the associate degree, your salary probably is this. If you graduate from the um, university with the engineering degree, your salary is that. If you are a teacher, your salary is this. Everything was absolutely known. Then we also knew that while you're working, you will, with the years of working, you will get promoted few, you know, positions up. Mm -hmm. And eventually you go, you'll get retired. Again, everybody knew what is the, sell, uh, the, the retirement, what is the pension that you will be getting. Mm -hmm. And then you live on that pension until you die. Mm. There's no deviation from the plan, huh? There were a little bit of dreams uh, in the school years when kids are dreaming to become somebody mm -hmm. and they may choose the university that they of their dream. The boys, maybe they wanted to be a Marine officer and they will go to Marine Academy. And, and the girls may, uh, may dream about becoming a teacher or maybe become a, a doctor or, you know, different professions. I mean, they could become an engineer, but I don't know how many uh, elementary school students want to become an engineer, very few. <laughs> That's not a dream usually. <laughs> yes, so uh, this is the time to dream. But then the reality hits and you find yourself, we didn't, the, the education was free. Oh. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to pay for college, but we really? a we had to go through the pretty crucial entry exams, testing, mm -hmm. and you had to get the hit a certain score uh, in the college to be uh, accepted. Mm -hmm. And after college, we would be sent to work for three years in a place where the college will send you to work. So that's how, I mean, you'll get the salary, but you may be not in a city where your parents or where you oh. would love to be. You may be somewhere across the country. Yeah. Uh, so you don't really dream much. You mm. basically follow the system. That's so I, sad to me, but you know, it happens here in the U.S. too. Every little kid, much, you know, something, but then you get put into your role because if you're good at math or science you're going to be an engineer or you know it happens everywhere but that that makes me a little sad about Russia. yes so when i got here a lot of people would be asking me what are you dreaming about what what do, what would you like and i'm like you're asking a very hard question i have no idea how to answer this question what did you dream about when you was a child i luckily i had some dreams mm -hmm they never happened to 
to become reality, but I did. And I never even tried to approach those dreams. But um, one of which was to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was to be a teacher, another to be a cartoonist. Another was I was in the sports team. So I wanted to be Olympic champion. I wanted to be an you know, performer. So I wanted to be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But um, realistically, I, it was all somewhere. Mm-hmm. And when I started dreaming, just like in the last year, so now I have a dream. And? I have a dream that a diabetic education will be will be a thing. It will not be mm-hmm. a, a noise. It will be a thing because people must know about the disease. What happens? People got diagnosed, and they have no idea they've heard the name but they have no idea what it is right what it means it's not very complicated to prevent disease is not a very heavy task mm-hmm. you just need to be mindful so i want to have somehow to to be involved in educating people on that i want to create a retreat for people where they could go and experience how it is feels uh, when you leave for a week doing right things, you oh. sleep well, you eat well, you exercise, you, 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 re, you know, you communicate mm-hmm. with people, kind of like little retreat thing. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a week-long cleanse from the bad sure. lifestyle, right? Yes, yes. I would like to have an outlet for all healthcare, well-care uh, professionals, providers, so there should be, I would like to, it doesn't have to be just me, just put together a group of people and create this sort of a mall where people could go and say, oh, I would like to see what is there for my health issues. I am interested to learn more about asthma, diabetes, kidneys, I don't know, some different deficits that people might have mm-hmm. what is available out of there what is available in my area we will open up eventually so right it, not everything will be online so when it, it doesn't make any sense if you found somebody some expert on something that lives across the country from you you can visit them once maybe twice but you really want to to, to be in closer contact with them so that's what i am dreaming about Plus different, I would like to have a podcast. I would like to have a podcast and invite people who A, had diabetes and were able to overcome the problem and now are living a healthy life. B, doctors and healthcare professionals who could offer different services and and suggestions and ideas and answer questions. So plenty of dreams now. Oh, that's good. And it kind of what you're wanting to do kind of goes back to one of your childhood dreams of being a teacher because exactly. you're to teach and educate. So what are the fears or obstacles holding you back from fulfilling those dreams right now? Obstacles, I think I would call it not enough experience yet because it's really was born with this pandemic (laughs) when I attended so many seminars, conferences, 
so many different meetings. It was college degree in nine months, you know. Mm. This is how it, how it looks to me. And now it's kind of like settling down and I, I see now much clearer what is possible for me, what I am passionate about, what I would like to, to, to be part of, to create and, and things like that. So the, the obstacles are the, I don't know everything yet. Mm -hmm. I would like to be more known I would like to be resourced. I would like that doctors will know that this is available. Yeah. And can I say something about what I just did? <laughs> Last weekend, I just launched a class and it's a four weeks course for newly diagnosed people where they can learn about diabetes, when they can learn what maybe cause that and analyze they will have chance to analyze where they are figure out where they want to go and craft for themselves the path how they would like to go there that is so awesome because that is a very confusing time for people they like you said they don't really understand the diagnosis so i'm sure that's a course you're going to be relaunching over and over again right Exactly. What's it called? I will be. It's called Diabetes 101 for Beginners. Okay. It's very simple. And where can people find that? Uh, they they will need to reach out to me. I am posting on Eventbrite the information right. about it. So, okay. Yeah. So they could look on uh, Diabetes 101 for Beginners. This is word to word how it's called. Okay. And uh, we just uh, will be doing it. I, I'm planning on uh, having monthly. So it's four weeks and we'll do it four weeks after four weeks with the opportunity to continue because in four weeks you just start. Right. Right. Well, we'll get to um, some of how people can connect with you at near the end. But let's transition here a little bit. Okay, so we're going to go into some of your favorites. Are you a reader? Do you like to read books? And if so, give us some book recommendation that has been influential in your life. I am a reader. Mm -hmm. I love to read books. Unfortunately, I don't have much time to read books. <laughs> so now I am reading articles and, and different Things, but there is a book that I actually right now working on, and it's called You Incorporated, The Art of Selling Yourself. Oh, who's that by? Harry Beckwith. And uh, this is fascinating reading mm -hmm. and, uh, because we all are sell salespeople. Since mm -hmm. we were very young children, we just didn't look at it this way, but right. when our child comes to us asking for candy and you are not giving the candy, they go away and they come back with the solution. Let me do this. No, they, they don't give up and they find the solution when you finally will allow them to have that candy. So, and this is not only about selling, it's about how you show up for people, how people receive you, how people how you find the, the way to communicate with people, how you can transfer your idea, your thoughts, your, your plans, mm -hmm. how you find partners, how you 
um, find jobs if you're looking for a job. So this is something that I, um, I'm just going page by page, maybe not every day uh, I, I take the book, but this is something that I uh, right now like to. I have to get that one. I thought I had every book like that, but it's called You Ink. Yeah, You Ink, The you Art are. of Selling Yourself. Um, great, great recommendation yeah i'll check that out and another thing i love is quotes i like to write them everywhere i like to look at them i like to look at them on instagram do you have a quote or a couple that you kind of go back to time and time again one quote i'm quoting all the time what's that and it is, it's hard to see the picture when you are in the frame. Ooh, I like that. It's hard to it's, see the picture when you're in the frame. What does that mean to you? What, what, what do you get out of that? You got to be able to step away from the problem that is really occupying your mind at the moment. And to be able to look at it from the side mm -hmm. because when you are right there in the middle of whatever is happening you don't see the whole picture right. you don't mm -hmm. see the details that to the right of you because your eyes are focused on something that in front of your nose and uh, that's why I actually I, I like the, I, the to call myself health strategist mm -hmm. because people sometimes when they have a health issue, they focus on that particular issue without realizing that this is not the only thing. Your family relationships are not quite as good as they should. Maybe your work is not supporting you. Maybe your sleeping pattern is not supporting you. Maybe your diet or whatever you eat and the way how you eat and the way how you cook does not support your health, maybe you're exercising. So you got to look at everything. This is the picture of your life. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to step outside and look at it with uninvolved eyes, just to look at it and see where is the mismatch. That was a great description. I think, well said. And so, that phrase yeah. belongs to Les Brown. What phrase? That it's hard to see the picture when you're oh. in the frame. Les Brown said that. Oh, I love Les Brown. He is a great speaker. Absolutely. So you're on a podcast right now. Are there any other podcasts that you enjoy listening to? I do listen to Tyson. Tyson Sharp's podcasts. He always has fascinating guests over there. It's called and Awaken Your Business. Yes. And I also listen to some Russian podcasts. Oh, <laughs> neat. You want to give us the name of one? Maybe somebody knows Russian? Yes. Wonderful podcast called, uh, how it's called? Well, it's about the food, basically. There is this guy, he's a journalist, he's observing the politician and political and economical events. Mm -hmm. But he has this um, passion to learn about food. Mm -hmm. And that's his podcast. 
Is that kind of not typical for the Soviet Union to have somebody that does? I mean, I would think if second jobs are illegal, podcasts would kind of be illegal there. It's not Soviet Union, Union anymore. Well, I mean, Russia. Okay, yeah. It's different. It's called the me- meaning of the of the food. It's, it, it's in Russian, as I said. Mm-hmm. But if any, any Russian listener is here, Sergei Parhomenko, on any podcast or platform you could find, fascinating stories because uh-huh. he's not only giving, you know, the explanation of what coffee is or what sour cream is. He goes into the beginning of the times to ancient Greeks and Romans and, and goes to their philosophers and what did they say about Ooh. this and how did it relate to this and how it came and, and now it's on our table. Wow. Amazing, amazing stories he brings out. So I would love amazing. to listen to that if I knew Russian. <laughs> you can translate for me. <laughs> Uh, so what about social media, Instagram, Facebook, whatever? Is there anyone who you like to follow that inspires you or um, just a good person to follow? Yes. Every morning I listen to small, about seven to eight minutes Facebook talk. It's uh, by Dr. Bertis Berry. Dr. Bertis Berry. Bertis Bertis. Barry. Yes. Okay. Dr. Bertis Barry. Okay. Yes. And she is sociologist, but mm-hmm. she's talking about all sorts of issues that people face. And it's about relationships. And it's about some, she is not very much into political, uh-huh. but about overcoming different, different obstacles that we may face for ourselves and how relationships between people may affect your decisions and how you your reaction to somebody's word may change your life and uh, memories about parents memories about your childhood friends so she's she's extremely well-spoken lady great and what's the name of it did you say or her name if you just you know, on a Facebook, you 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 search Dr. Bertis Berry. Okay. She will pop up. Uh, she is also on YouTube. Okay. I'm not sure if she is on Instagram, but I know these two platforms okay. where she is, and she's doing the same thing what I do. The she Facebook started does. doing those talks just to support her friends mm-hmm. who she knew felt isolated with the quarantine just to give them a, and she ends up every her talk ends up i love you oh. so everything she could talk about this and that and somehow she just leaves it in a way and i love you i will check that out that sounds really cool so i would like to tell people how they could connect with you officially um your facebook 
so they can hear your Facebook lives and anything else, email, anything you have that you want to share. I will put that in your, in the show notes so they can connect with you. Okay. Facebook lives are going on a, on my business Facebook page, which is called smart move 360. Smart move 360. One word, no pauses, just smart move 360. And this is where I have all my morning walks and talks. And that's a business page. I mean, do they have to get an invitation or you can just search it and they can watch? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And they could follow it or like it or whatever. Uh, Yeah, please. And and everywhere else, I'm talking about Facebook, LinkedIn. Well, YouTube, there is nothing on YouTube. (laughs) Just from some years ago, I'm I'm coming. I'm not there yet. Uh, but it's just my my first and last name, Irina Strunina. And, and that uh, is that is I-R-I-N-A-S-T-R-U-N-I-N-A. Everywhere. Facebook, Everywhere. LinkedIn, Instagram. Great. Yes. So I'm so excited for people to connect with you. This has been such an interesting conversation. I have so enjoyed talking to you. I mean it just makes me happy and it's inspiring what you do. I'm in the healthcare field. So I see the ramifications of diabetes every day. My grandfather had it. And so, I mean, I think it's so important and I love what you do, but as we come to an end, is there anything we haven't talked about any last words of advice or anything on your heart that you want to share with people as a way of kind of, sending us off every morning i have my talks and i am trying to finish it with one word keep moving Mm -hmm. the water does not run under the laying rug we got to be moving in order something to happen in our lives the water doesn't run under the laying rug i love that rock 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 okay the water doesn't run under the rock. You have to keep moving. That's awesome advice. I so appreciate you being on the show. I've enjoyed meeting with you and talking with you. And I hope you you for inviting me and listening to me for that long. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone will eat it up. They'll enjoy it. So uh, I appreciate you and we'll say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would go and rate and review the show and also share it with somebody who you think would benefit from listening to the message. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram or you can email me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com. I hope something that you heard today will help you go out and live a more joy-filled, inspired life. Don't keep playing it safe. Be brave today. And of course, a huge shout out to Steve Denny for providing the music for this podcast.